What's going on, Packers fans? Aaron Nagler here with Ben Fennell, ready to talk some more 2024 NFL Draft. Ben, how you doing? How was your Super Bowl? How are you? It was a dandy. It was a fun Sunday night, uh, and I'm doing just fine. I'm glad that all 32 teams have now joined us into this draft cycle, ready to move ahead. We're building right. for next season already, Chiefs included. Um, and it's just a, it's a good time to be alive here in uh, South New Jersey. No question about it. I mean, the thing... For myself, obviously, I am not a anywhere near a draft guy, right? A draft Nick, whatever you want to call it. But it is always kind of fascinating when you make that first turn into the draft and the prospects and who you're looking at and what you think your team's needs are and what have you. Man, it's kind of fun to come at it completely fresh as someone who doesn't watch a lot of college football, right? I don't know most of these guys. Like, I've probably seen their names bandied about on Twitter at times and things of that nature, but... It's fun for me looking at a kind of a whole new group of guys. For somebody like yourself, you do kind of deep dives on both NFL and college football players pretty much all year long. Is there a time where you kind of start, you know, heavy draft stuff? Or are you doing that kind of all year long? Yeah, it's an exercise that never truly sleeps. Um, but typically the draft process will start right after the draft. And everything you had talked about of kind of, you know, opening up that new notebook and uncovering guys <laughs> right. that really happens in the springtime for next cycle. So in order to really get ahead of that curve, that's when you're getting your names of prospects for that next cycle coming around. And it is so much fun, Aaron, to dive into them before the draft sphere gets a hold of them. Right. And then you see the takes and the opinions and you start to kind of get some waves of who's high and who's low and the opinions start seeping through and you really want to get ahead of that curve. So it's tough to block all that out if you're not part of that sphere. But typically that senior bowl playoff time in January is when a lot of the collective NFL community turns that page to the draft cycle and says, what do you got? So they're <laughs> kind of playing catch up and joining this right. cycle that's been going on uh, essentially all year round. But it's a tiring process. It's really tough to be an expert in the NFL world and the college world to know who plays right guard on the Bears and right, right. guard on Clemson. Is yep. an exhausting exercise. So I did two NFL games a week this year. So I actually took a little bit of a backseat to college football during the season. So I was playing a little bit of catch up too, which is fun to discover and also a little daunting as some stamps have already been, you know, made on guys. So Absolutely. you have to play catch up and, and then you wonder am, am I with it or against Am them? I the outlier? Exactly. hundred percent. Right. And it's interesting you mentioned that because that was kind of how I felt when I moved from covering the league to covering the Packers when I was on the beat, you know, back in 2016 and 17, because I had been with Bleacher Report and SI, a 32 team guy, right? Like trying to knowing who the third wide receiver is on every team and knowing who's the swing tackle uh, on almost every team and things of that nature. And then it's so funny because then you start kind of burrowing down into one team like I have with the Packers. And now, man, it feels like just the NFL, let alone when the draft comes along and trying to find Okay, like slot corners. I want to I want to talk about slot corners because I know that's something the Packers probably need. Well, I'm trying to like find tape to watch, and I'm like, wait, do I even know who plays inside? The, <laughs> you know, the the majority of the time in college. I mean, I can barely keep track of that in the NFL. So uh, that is something I did want to kind of dive into with you today is regarding the slot position and who might be available in the draft because I think the Packers are going to need to upgrade there Talked about Keyshawn Nixon in the past. I do think the Packers will probably move on there. I think with the guys they have on hand, I know 
I had a nice back and forth with Justice Mosqueda from Acme Packing Company on Twitter earlier this afternoon regarding the potential of moving Jair Alexander inside. And that's something I've kind of pined for uh, in years past. But it doesn't feel like the Packers see him that way. Now, I know there's a new defensive kind of staff and a new scheme, and maybe that materializes itself. But I tend to think they'll probably look to the draft. And looking at kind of the cornerback position, if you say have a Jair in the mix, is that something that would maybe dissuade you if you're a GM? Because you know he probably has that versatility. Or are you, okay, he's a premier guy. I want to play him on the perimeter, and I definitely want to go get one of these slot guys in the draft. I think both those notions are definitely, you know, sensible. And my stamp on the Jair kind of positional change, I legitimately think he could play all five positions. He is a special talent. He has a special mental makeup and competitive drive in combination with special athletic traits. He could play nickel, could play corner, can play press, can play off. You want to put him at free safety. You could probably play linebacker if you really needed him to. He's a special player. So where you want to play him, just enjoy you have him in your room. And maybe transitions inside like a Brandon Flowers did or a Leon Hall did to the backside of their career. Or maybe like a Rod Woodson slid inside and ended up being a Pro Bowl safety you know, to the backside. So mm-hmm. special players can do special things. So I welcome the addition and the, you know, maybe kick around the idea of that in training camp preseason and see how it looks. But heading into the draft and trying to fill that need, it's a tough position in today's NFL, that nickel slot role. I mean, you want guys that can cover. You need them to be run supporters. You want them to blitz a little bit. You got to be very instinctual with all that perimeter action, not just to those speedy guys, but then you have to take on, you know, big slot receivers like Juwan Jennings and old Larry Fitzgeralds and move tight ends. So there's a lot to go into those positions. You really have to decide, do you want that nickel to also play some safety for you? Like Brian Branch did for the Lions, can play some single high, half field, then man that slot. Or do you want a guy like a Trent McDuffie that can slide out to corner as well? So that corner nickel has a higher premium to it because playing corner in the NFL is a higher premium position. That's why the Chiefs took a Trent McDuffie in the first round. That's why the Lions take a Brian Branch in the second round. So I think the Packers have to decide who they want there and what type of skill set. Is it the nickel safety? Is it the nickel corner? Do we want the man coverage skills or the zone skills? Seems like Jeff Halfley is going to have a little bit more man coverage, a lot more blitzing defensive backs, Mm. which the Packers were – near the bottom in the uh, Joe Barry era as far as sending defensive backs after the quarterback. So looking for some of these DBs in, as prospects, you want guys that are experienced blitzers off the edge, experienced in man coverage. And then the Packers have to decide what else do they want that player to do. And my stamp on this conversation, as always, Aaron, there's no perfect prospect. You won't find a guy that's an A across the board. So you really have to kind of decide those levels on your points of emphasis and what your priority in that position is going to be. Well, let me ask the question this way, um, because there's really only one guy I've been able to kind of really look at and see what's available tape wise, a guy who I know played inside a lot in Michigan and Mike Sainstrill. He is the one guy I could find consistent tape on as far because I don't have access to all the college all twenty two. I am have not reached that point in my life yet. You don't. So you don't I, want all that anyway. I exactly. Yeah. I got. I got enough to deal with with the NFL all twenty two. Um, but he's a guy who played a lot of slot snaps. But outside of let's say you know him or one or two others, is there a guy in, in your mind who is able to come in day one and man that role and contribute as a rookie because? I think you've seen it. You, you mentioned McDuffie. I think you see 
You saw Antoine Winfield do it a couple years ago with the Bucks, though he was obviously at the safety position. He came in and did sl- work from the slot right away and completely, I'm not going to say change that defense, but he contributed it in a major way right off the bus. Is there somebody in this draft class that you can see fitting that kind of role? And as much as we had talked about Trent McDuffie, who's the best nickel in the game right now, Super Bowl champ round one, Brian Branch, excellent rookie round two, that nickel spot has a lot of different pathways there. From Teron right. Johnson, Arthur Millette with the Ravens, Kadar Kohu was undrafted, Kenny Moore, Mike Hilton. It's a lot of different trajectories to find themselves to that spot and can still be good players. So it's that cat and mouse of spending high draft capital on that spot, which there are players worthy of that. I think Mike Sandstro, as you had mentioned, is a day two type of nickel. He's that Mike Hilton, really aggressive mentality, good blitzer, good tackler, incredible ball skills. Actually went to Michigan as a receiver. Converted wide receiver. Packers have had some success with those. So So you love that kind of makeup. I think a tier behind him, if Sandstrill's kind of a top 50 fringe player, I think Tyke Smith out of Georgia serves the Brian Branch type of role. While Sandstrill is the corner nickel, who has played some corner for Michigan as well. Tyke Smith is more of the safety nickel, who showed up to the Senior Bowl at 206 pounds. Mike Sandstrill is 185 pounds. So you really have to decide what you want in that makeup. Tyke Smith is feisty. He's fearless, can blitz, can hold down tight ends, bigger slot receivers. He could play some single high and back end stuff too. Also a prolific player at West Virginia before he transferred over to Georgia. So he's been around and experienced in college football as well. So I think those two players are in that makeup. And then there's some guys that just have some chinks in their armor. You know, the Chris Abrams drain out of Missouri, 173 pounds. He'd be a little bit more like the nickel Roby Coleman type of guy. You know, more of a true coverage player out there that could play some corner for you as well. But this kid's tough. He's got ball skills. He's done some kick returning. I think he's blitzed three times in his life, though. So there's some guys that don't have the full makeup of what you want them to do. Who is that Trent McDuffie, though, in this draft that could be a first-round caliber player that could play some corner and some base, slide in and play nickel, could probably play some half field? It's going to take high draft capital to get a player like that. That could be Cooper DeGene at Iowa, a guy that can play some corner, can play some safety, has the play speed to really play anywhere, has the ball skills, can play that slot position and match up against a variety of different pass catchers. He may be that special player that has that Trent McDuffie-like mold in this draft. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's funny you mention him because he's clearly a hot name when you talk about the Packers in the draft, at least this early on. He gets mentioned a lot. Hell, he is on the cover of this this year's Cheesehead TV draft guide for that reason. Like He's a guy that I know lots of Packers fans have their eye on, which brings me to this question. I know there are a lot of mocks out there. I don't know how reliable most of them are. Probably most of them not worth the pixels they're printed with. However, you do see him hovering around the end of the first round. And I do consider that a realistic possibility for the Packers at 25. Do you think, again, is that a realistic spot for him to go in this draft so far, as far as the information we have at this moment? Or do you think, given how hot his name is already, and we know how oversaturated the uh, coverage of this thing is, uh, is this somebody who maybe gets some kind of overhype paralysis by analysis and all of a sudden you see his name start to plummet a little bit well i think the true premier petri dish press corner group is going to push him down to the end of the first round i mean the tarian arnolds the nate wiggins the kool-aid mckistry kamari lassiter uh, the quinye mitchell they're all going to get taken ahead of them those kids were made in a lab to play press man in the nfl <laughs> but it's the positional value of what you think cooper DeGene can do And that's very much in that Brian Branch mold, in my opinion, or that Trent McDuffie mold, where you can do multiple things, maybe not all at an A-plus rate, but if you can do A-minus at three different positions, that's a first-round caliber player. And I think the Lions would absolutely circle back and take a Brian Branch in round one, knowing the type of player they're going to get and all the different hats he can wear for their defense. So I think Cooper DeGene is going to be in play in the back end of round one. And I think someone's going to see that versatile playmaking ability like the branch, like the McDuffie, and say, you know what, traditionally that safety is getting pushed to day two, like, you know, Jalen Petrie and Javon Holland and all those guys. But we really see the upside on him. And he's available there from 20 to 25 or to 30 at the back end of round one. And we have a need there. And we have a like for maybe schools like Iowa and those gritty Big Ten Midwest <laughs> programs. That could be a really good fit for the Packers, in my opinion. And I know the Josh Jackson pick may be a little sour. Uh, it's, a little remember fresh. Back it's a little to fresh. It's a little fresh. Hides and the Brian Bulagas. <laughs> yep. There's been some good times no out there no from doubt. those uh, fighting Kirk Ferentz's. <laughs> You're not wrong about that. And they do seem to have an affinity for that program. There is no yeah. doubt about it. Um, 
looking say later in the draft, you mentioned like possible day two guys. Are there yeah. any prospects out there where maybe you know they're coming off a serious injury or maybe they just had whatever kind of issues that maybe has depressed their draft stock a little bit or their name recognition, but might be able to fit the bill and come in and you know maybe be a work in progress, but somebody on day late day two or early or hell anytime day three that you think you know this is a slot guy who you know again might not be a household name but there's somebody they could work with yeah plenty of versatile guys that you take flyers on day three that can play some corners some inside some special teams at the very least penn state's got two of them and kalen king and daquan hardy both guys have played some time in the slot kind of inside joey porter jr for a lot of those years up and down play and I think that's why they are day three players. Kalen King, a lot of people had hopes would take that jump this year, move to outside corner and just left a little bit to be desired. But same thing, you know, Max Melton at Rutgers. That's right. The brother of Bo Melton, Max mm-hmm. Melton, very similar type of player, just on the defensive side of the ball. Same kind of height, weight, speed, feisty, competitive player can run good ball skills, just up and down play which comes with the territory. You know, you got to match up against Marvin Harrison Jr. for three years. It's tough business out there. You, <laughs> you know, so tough things on tape, no doubt. No question. So, you know, a guy like Jerry and Jones out of Florida State, who is a SEC transfer from Mississippi State, he moved to the slot this year. He's speedy. He's feisty. Elijah Jones out of Boston College has been a fit as well, coming from that Jeff Halfley scheme. Maybe doesn't have as much elite long speed. So some people think the size and the play temperament would be a good fit for that nickelback spot. So there's some corners and some slot guys on day three. I'm also looking at some project players, maybe some strong safeties with athleticism that could cover out there in the slot, which today's NFL, we love big slot, big nickels, what mm, we call it, to have three right. safeties out there. So I think a Jaden Hicks at a Washington State who didn't get to perform at the Senior Bowl because of an injury, but he's going to be a darling through this draft process. Evan Williams out of Oregon, really good player. I think he was a four-year player at Fresno State first. Cole Bishop out of Utah. These are strong safety type of players with really good athleticism that I could really see being that tough guy slot, good in run support, good against tight ends, good blitzers, good against perimeter action. Do you want them turning and running against slot fades all the time? Probably not. But again, Aaron, we're not going to find perfect players there. So it's finding those project players, the skill set players that you want to fit which, believe me, I don't want my slot turning and running a lot. Those big box fades are dangerous against Tyreek Hill. So I like a little bit more zone coverage. I know we're going to be playing a little bit more man here and there, but those nickelback spots, I know we want to find a slot and say, that's our nickel prospect. You got to be creative too. Could be a bigger corner that can't run. It could be a safety with athleticism. Could be an undersized linebacker. And like we had started this conversation with all those journeys to that spot, it could happen again in Green Bay. Like we had seen uh, Keyshawn Nixon find his way to the nickel and end up being a pretty good player. So uh, I think it's fun uh, fun to project that spot. A question for you regarding the idea of a slot corner. And we were mentioning before how, you know, if it is if it is uh, DeGene, there's a possibility they take him in the first round, late in the first round, but a first rounder nonetheless, you get that fifth-year option. Do you view it, do you in particular, I know we can't know exactly how the Packers think, but do you view it as a premium position? Because for so long, the conversation in Green Bay and talking about the Green Bay Packers draft has been about how they like to focus on corner, traditional corner, tackle, edge rusher. Like those are the big three when it comes to their premium spots. Obviously, quarterback is its own thing, but those are the positions that they've traditionally kind of aired on the side of, okay, we're going to, if all things are equal, we want to take a premium guy. 
a guy at a position where we know the, the, the value is just kind of more important than everything else on the field. Do you think because of the way, and you heard Brian say it's a four two five league, you've got that nickel corner almost on the field 75, 80% of the time. Has that moved into the conversation of a premium position or is it still somebody kind of like what you're talking about? You're going to try and find guys to fit there rather than, okay, we've got to have it. You know, personally, I think it is. And, you know, when I see the Jalen Petries and Hollins and those guys and branches get taken in the round two and end up being great players, I feel like they're worthy of first round capital. But there seems to be this pushback still from the NFL right. lifers, those yep. <laughs> those base personnel guys stated. that, you know, you just want to think that LeVon Kirkland's out there playing off ball linebacker and, you know, they have to go tackle Natron Means. And that's just. <laughs> That's the football we're playing these days. But if it's 75% sub-package NFL, and believe me, there are some teams that start their game planning saying, who plays nickel for them and how are we attacking them this week? That's like object one of a lot of teams on offense because that's such a vulnerable spot. You don't have perfect players in the nickel. So it's a kind of a 1A as someone to be attacked in some way. So I think Mm. it's a valuable position. It's a position you better prioritize or you're going to realize you have a speed bump there and it's a liability. So you need premium talent, however it finds its way there, whether it's a first-round corner like Jair kicking in, or whether you go after a Trent McDuffie to go play that spot, or you know you have some sort of conversion or something in between there. But I think it's a premium spot. It's on the field a lot. It's attacked a lot. You ask them to do a lot. So you should go prioritize it in that kind of same complement. I couldn't agree more. Join us here in 2024, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Ben, I can't thank you enough for the time, man. I'll definitely be circling back later in the process once we've both gotten to look at a lot more of these guys, um, or at least I have. But I really appreciate your early thoughts on the slot position in the 2024 draft. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Aaron.